through your word as you have promised to do and change us tonight uh, sanctify us make us more like you we pray in jesus name amen and you can be seated didn't mute the guitar. I was looking for the step over there and it wasn't there. Change kind of messes with me. Um, all right, so tonight we will continue in the Lord's Prayer. And uh, as we've done every week as we've been teaching through this, we will read the Lord's Prayer together and then uh, we will look at our verse for tonight. So this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Let's all read this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this week, we will be in chapter 13. Um, lead us not into temptation. So that's going to be our focus uh, for this week. And, you know, when I was kind of preparing for this, um, you know, this is kind of one of those verses that when you read it on the surface, it sounds, I mean, it kind of makes God sound bad um, because we're asking God not to lead us into temptation, but to deliver us from evil. And so it's almost as if we're asking God not to tempt us to sin. And we all know, well, that's not right. Uh, or at least I hope you know that that's not right. Um, I hope you realize that God will not tempt you to sin. Um, and so that kind of begs the question, well, what is Jesus even talking about? You know, what are we praying for? Um, if, we're, if we're asking God to, to not lead us into temptation, but God doesn't tempt us anyway, so like, what are we even talking about? Um, and so that's kind of my hope is tonight we'll kind of look at this verse and really kind of look at what Jesus is saying, kind of look at, uh, you know, what does this mean? Um, because if, if, if God is not tempting us to sin, then what is Jesus saying we should be asking for? Um, and so that's what I want to look at. And so as we've kind of talked about, you know, as we've gone through the, the Lord's Prayer, each of these statements that we've been looking at, these are all petitions. These are all petitions to God. And this one is no different. Um, so again, this phrase, lead us not into into temptation but deliver us from evil this is a petition to God this is something we're asking God to do or to not do um, in this case and so we have to remember that this is a petition um, that we're asking God for something and so how do we, how are we to understand this phrase or this part of the Lord's Prayer and how are we to take this and apply it to the way we pray um, so that's kind of what I want to look at tonight and as I often do, I've got a lot of scripture that I'm going to take us to to look at these different points because um, 
I'd much rather rely on scripture than my own interpretation of things. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through a lot of scripture tonight and hopefully get a good understanding of what this phrase means and what this phrase doesn't mean and then how we can apply that. So when we first look at it, the first few words, lead us not, um, what is this an indication of? And again, as I mentioned, you know, does this mean that God tempts us? Because we're asking him to not do this. You know, don't, don't tempt me. Don't lead me into temptation. Um, and absolutely, that's not what it means. And so we know that God doesn't tempt us to sin. Um, and if we go to James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, uh, very famous verses you guys have probably heard many times. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then when desire is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And so we have scripture that says God does not tempt you. God can't be tempted, and so he's not going to tempt you to sin. And we have this verse in the Lord's Prayer that says, lead us not into temptation. Um, and so, again, that's kind of where this whole, uh, man, what in the world is he talking about? Like, what does this really mean? Um, and, and so I hope, you know, when you guys read verses like this, and you know that there's other verses out there that seem to contradict this, uh, that it makes you want to, want to study a little bit. It makes you want to dig into it a little bit and figure out what's really going on. Because, again, we know the Bible's not going to contradict itself. And so that should drive us to, to want to understand truth and to try to want to figure out what in the world is the Bible talking about here. Rather than just kind of reading over and it's like, oh, that's weird, and then just going on, you know, that should make us really pay attention. And so I kind of hope that's what these verses do to you when you hear it and when you read it, is it makes you kind of pay attention and think, what is he talking about? And so I need to understand this because it's confusing. So what, what exactly are these ver is this verse saying when it says, lead us not? Um, one thing that came to my mind was that, you know, really the way this is worded, this acknowledges God's sovereignty. Because we're asking God to not lead us into something. And so, therefore, he has the ability to lead us or not lead us. If he had no ability to not lead us into, into temptation, then we wouldn't even ask. But he has that ability. Um, and so I want to read uh, a few scriptures for you. You guys can jot these down or you can turn to them if you want to. Um, that just kind of shows how God is at work through this. And I'm going to start back in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. says, the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you, shall sure, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And so the reason I want to go back here is because this goes back to the first command that God gave Adam. Hey, you can eat anything you want, just don't eat from this one tree. That's the command. Um, you know, again, going back and showing God's sovereignty, he could have not put the tree there to start with. 
Like, had God chose, he could have not put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And then we wouldn't have to worry about man not eating of the tree. But yet the tree was there, and God said, don't eat of it. And so you can kind of see where God's hand is at work in even man's first sin. Um, not that he did it to entice him to sin, but it goes back to his faithfulness and his obedience. The tree is there. I'm going to put it there, but don't eat of it. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this whole story, and you guys know the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent and how it was tempting. Um, you know, had God chose, he could have made the fruit not tempting. Remember when Eve saw it, it was like, oh, that looks like that's, that's good for food. That looks really good. I think I want to eat it. Um, she was tempted because the fruit looked good. And so, like, God put the tree there. He made it appealing. You know, he could have put the tree there and made it grow like something gross, like Brussels sprouts. And then she might have looked at it and went, I don't think so. I'm not eating that. Um, it wouldn't have been tempting at all. But, but whatever it was... Growing on this tree, it looked really good. But God made it that way. He made the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he made it appealing. Um, that's God at work. Did he make Eve sin? No. She sinned on her own accord. But yet, he was sovereign in that because he, he put the tree there. And so, you know, we talk about lead us not. We have to remember God is sovereign in these things. Um, Job chapter 1. Verses 8 through 12. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? But there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and the possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Again, another very popular account in, the, in Scripture where Satan asked permission to test Job, to try to make him sin, to try to make him curse God to his face. That was Satan's whole plan. You think Job is upright? Let me have hold of him. And what does God say? Go for it. All he has is yours. He starts out, he doesn't let him touch his flesh. Later on, he does. But again, God has given permission to Satan to test Job. And the point of that testing is to try to get Job to sin. You know, God could have easily said, no. Like, you're not touching him. I, I'm protecting this guy, and you can do nothing against him. But in his sovereignty, he says, yes, go, test him. And so, again, we see that God is sovereign in these things. Um, and then one more verse, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 12 through 13. It says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. 
God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And this verse is a good reminder. It says that God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And so, again, he's in control. He's in control of that. If Satan can tempt you however he wanted to, I mean, it would be relentless. The, the attacks would be relentless, that, that you would be tempted beyond your ability. Um, but God has some restraint on that. He, he says, you will be tempted, but not beyond your ability. God will not let that happen. Um, and so I just kind of want to bring a few verses to our mind to, to remind us that, you know, when Jesus says to ask the Lord to lead us not into temptation, that he has the authority to do that, that the Lord has the authority to not lead you into temptation or to lead you into temptation. He is all powerful. He is sovereign. Um, and so when these things happen, we have to realize, you know, that yes, God is at work, but no, God is not tempting me to sin. And that can get really confusing. And so what I'd like to do is I'd kind of like to look at... Um, kind of what is the difference between temptation and trials because when we look at this word in the greek it can mean either and sometimes it means temptation and sometimes it means trials and so is that the same thing or are they different and so i, I want to go and look at a few verses to kind of point to each so we can have a, a good understanding of what jesus is actually asking and what he's not asking because he's asking us, or asking the Lord to deliver us from temptation. Don't lead me into temptation. Is that the same thing as a trial? Don't lead me into a trial. Um, so let's look at it. A few verses, Matthew 26, in verse 41. Jesus says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And then Luke chapter 4 and verse 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Luke twenty-two forty. When he came to the place, he said to him, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Uh, Luke twenty-two forty-six. He said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. 1 Timothy 6, 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And so these are just a few verses that use that same word, and they use it in the sense of a temptation. Be aware, or you may fall into sin. If you chase money, you may fall into sin. That's what these things are pointing to. It's a temptation. It's a temptation to sin. But is that the same thing as a trial? James 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. 
So does that sound like the same thing? Does that sound like the same thing as a temptation? Because James says to count it all joy when you meet various kinds of trials. And Jesus says, pray to God that he doesn't lead you into temptation. And so you can kind of see this doesn't match up. A temptation and a trial are two different things. Now, if we're not careful, they could kind of lead to the same result. But we have to understand what Jesus is asking or, or telling us to ask and what he's not. Um, he's not saying, ask God to take you out of trials. Because James just said, you should consider it a joy when you encounter trials. Why? Because of what it's going to bring. It's going to test your faith. It's going to produce steadfastness. It's going to make you perfect, complete, lacking nothing. It's going to grow you spiritually when you go through a trial. And so should we ask God to keep us from trials? Well, no, trials are good. Trials are not pleasant. We've all been through trials. Some of us are going through trials now. Um, it's not a pleasant thing to go through. But yet when you get on the other end of it, you see the growth. You see where God was at work. And that's why we can consider that joy. Now, is temptation joyful? Temptation shouldn't be joyful. Um, and so you can see where these are, this is not the same thing. Uh, James 1, chapter 12. says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now, again, that doesn't sound like the same thing as a temptation. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under temptation because you're going to get the crown of life. Like, that makes no sense. And so you can see, again, there's a difference. There's a difference between a trial and a temptation. And so what Jesus is asking us to, to petition God for is keep us away from temptation, the things that are going to cause us to sin. These are the things we're trying to free, flee from, not the trials of life, not the things that God is using to grow us and to strengthen our faith that we will eventually receive a crown of life for. First Peter 1 Peter 1.6 In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. And so again, you can see where they're different. A trial and a temptation, they're different. Even though the, the, the word in the Greek points to the same thing, um, we have to understand what Jesus is talking about and what he's not talking about. What's the difference between a trial and a temptation? God uses trials for our growth. Temptation leads to sin. Um, and so we have to kind of understand that to really properly understand what Jesus is even talking about. Because if we don't understand that and we think, oh, well, that's the same thing as a trial, well, then these other verses don't make sense. Because Jesus just said, ask to get out of this thing, but... James says, no, this is a good thing. You should, you should count it joy. And so we have to know that, that they are different, but again, they are similar. Um, not in their purpose, but if we're not faithful, they both can lead to sin. I mean, obviously, if you give in the temptation, you're going to sin. We all kind of know that. But what if what if you don't endure a, a, a trial? What, what if you mishandle a trial? What if you, what if you look at it the wrong way? 
like it could lead to sin. And in Job 122, it says, after these things started happening to Job, it says, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. And so we can see, you know, what was happening to Job, you know, was God tempting him to sin? No. He, he was putting him through a trial. He was allowing Satan to attack him, and he was going through a trial. It wasn't to get Job to sin. Satan was hoping it would get Job to sin, but that wasn't the purpose that God allowed it to happen. And we see that here, that in all this, Job didn't sin. He didn't sin or charge God with wrong. Like, he understood that, hey, this is something God's doing. Um, but that kind of leads us to believe that then if we, if, if we do this thing wrong, like, that could lead us into sin. And how many times have you guys heard of people who are gone, have gone through a hard time, maybe they've lost a loved one, maybe it's something traumatic, and they were a believer, but now they've turned their back on God. You know, why would God allow this? Like, a loving God wouldn't let this happen. And so they turned their back on him. They, they took a trial, something that God meant to strengthen their faith, and, and they turned their back and they sinned against God. And so that's where these are kind of the same thing, because if, if we don't allow a trial to play out, and to do what God intends us to do, that it could become sinful. But on the other hand, if we allow a trial to play itself out, it will strengthen our faith. Temptation, if we can, if we can flee temptation, then that will keep us from sin. But if we give in to temptation, it will lead to sin. And so you can see how both of these can lead to sin, but they're both used for something completely different. And so I hope, you know, when we read this in verse 13, lead us not into, into temptation, but deliver us from evil, that we can kind of see what Jesus is asking. We're petitioning God to not lead us into temptation, not, not lead us into trials. And so why would we petition God for that because he's sovereign he, can, he could stop it or he can allow Satan to continue to attack and so he's the one that we petition this for um, and so the real interesting thing is the, the way the ESV translates this word evil because again if we don't understand properly what is being said, we kind of get this wrong idea about God. We get this wrong idea about who he is and what he's doing because we're asking God to not leave us, lead us into temptation and to deliver us from evil. Like, like what is God up to anyway? Um, but properly understood, this word evil is really better translated evil one. It points to a person, which is Satan. Um, I don't know, does anybody, does anybody's translation say evil one? What translation you got? New King James? Anybody else's? I know a lot of the other, of the other translations, um, they do translate this word evil one. For some reason, the ESV translated evil, and I think maybe even the, the King James translates it evil. 
Um, but it really should say evil one. And so what, what Jesus is saying is we're petitioning God to not lead us into temptation, but to deliver us from Satan. Because where does temptation come from? Well, it comes from our desires, but who's kind of behind all that? You know, Satan, I mean, he's the one that is trying to entice us into sin, that's playing to the things that your flesh desires, that wants you to oppose God. He's the one that we need to be turned against. And so um, if we go back to Genesis 3, we see that Satan is, is at hand here. Um, Genesis 3, 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And so we see how Satan was at work during the first sin, that he was the one that was tempting Eve. You know, she saw the fruit and saw that it was good, but she didn't go looking for it. Satan is the one that said, did God really say this? Like, he knows if you eat this, you're going to be like him. And look at it. It looks really good. And he's like, it does. Let me have some of that. Satan was the one tempting. In the, in the story of Job, Job 2, 7, it says, So Satan went up from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Um, we understand that Satan is the one who was attacking Job. He was the one that was trying to tempt him into to cursing God to his face because of all these things that was happening to him. Um, Satan was the one at work. The Lord allowed it, but Satan was the one working. In Matthew 4, chapter 3, or verse 3, it says, And the tempter came and said to him, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And we all know this story well. Um, Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. God led him there, and Satan did the tempting. Um, of course, Jesus was sinless. He didn't give in to the temptations. But we see, when we look at that account, that it is Satan that is at work. It is Satan that is tempting. It is Satan that is trying to get him to fall. And so it makes sense that Jesus says, pray to God that he won't lead you into temptation, but he'll deliver you from the evil one. Because the evil one is the one that is lurking. He's the one that is looking um, to put you into sin. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, it tells us this. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And so this verse, it tells us two things. One, Satan is looking for someone to devour. He's just out there roaming around looking for someone he can attack, someone whose faith is weak, someone he can lead into temptation. That's what Satan's doing. But it also says, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And so it lets us know that, you know, you're not an isolated attack. 
like Satan is not only attacking you. Sometimes we feel like we're the only ones that's being attacked and everybody else's life is great. Um, but this verse reminds us this is the same kind of suffering being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Every believer, man, we're being attacked. And it's constant. And that's what Satan's trying to do. Um, but again, God is sovereign. And God is the one who can say, no, you can't go there. Or God is the one that can say, try them. Test their faith. Their faith is strong. And so that's why we petition um, the Lord for this. And it kind of made me think about Peter. And, you know, Jesus told Peter that Satan wanted to attack him. Um, Luke twenty two thirty one. 31, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And I've always thought this verse to be interesting because of a couple of things. One, Satan demanded to sift Peter. I want to attack this guy. And again, God being sovereign, he could have said no. You are not touching him. But what happened? Peter was tempted. And Jesus even told him, because he says, when you've turned again, strengthen your brothers, telling him, you're going to fail. But after you fail and you turn again, strengthen your brothers. Um, in not so many words, he told Peter that his faith is going to fail. Satan wants to sift you like wheat. I've prayed that your faith may not fail, but it's going to. But when you turn again, strengthen your brothers. And again, you can see how God is at work in this whole thing. How he's allowing Satan to tempt Peter. How we know Peter's going to fail, but he's going to bounce back and he's going to strengthen his brothers. And so one thing that we have to hang on to, I guess, as our hope, is because, again, we're making a petition to God. We're making a petition to God to not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep me from this. Don't let Satan attack me. Don't let Satan tempt me. Don't, don't let these things happen to me. I just want to live my happy little life. And that's what we all want. That's what we all hope for, is that nothing bad's going to come our way. Nothing's going to, to push us into sin, that we have to go through that. It's just, let's just live in heaven already. I mean, that's kind of what we expect. Um, and yes, we petition God for that. God, please don't allow this to happen. But we know it's going to. We all know that our day's coming. Our time is coming. Something is going to tempt us. Are we going to hold firm against it or are we going to fail? But it's coming. Temptation's coming. It comes to all of us. Um, but as we read earlier, God makes a way of escape. And so when you're tempted, there's a way out. It's not, it's not as if God will allow Satan to tempt you and you have no choice but to sin. Like, that's not, that's not what God wants. You have a way out. 
And so my mind event, uh, uh, went to Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13, where Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand firm. And so again, when we look at how do we escape this temptation, God has given us a way. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. If we are not leaning on God through prayer and through his word and through obedience, and if we're just out here kind of doing our own thing, how do we expect to stand against the schemes of the devil? You know, the Lord has given us a way out. He's given us what we need to stand firm against Satan. But we have to be in the word. We have to know it. We have to be near God. We have to, we have to be praying. We have to be doing all these things so that we don't fall for the schemes of the devil. Because we all know that temptation's coming. So we plead with the Lord, keep it from me. Keep me from Satan. But when he does come, I need to put on the whole armor of God so that I'm prepared. I need to be ready for the schemes of the devil because we know that they're coming. And so I, kinda, I hope this kind of helps us understand a little bit about what Jesus is talking about here when he's asking us to plead with God to not lead us into temptation but to deliver us from the evil one. That he can do it but the times that he chooses to allow Satan to work, we have to be ready. And we know that he's equipped us to stand against the schemes of, of Satan. And so it's um, kind of all I've got on that. Um, so let's pray and we will be done. Lord, we are grateful, God, that you are all loving, that you are all powerful, that you indeed are sovereign over everything. God, we know that we can lean on you, God, through good times and bad. And Lord, indeed, we know that you hold all things in your hand. God, that when the temptations of this world come, we know that, Lord, it is not you that entices us to sin, but Lord, it's Satan tempting us with our own desires, the things that in our flesh we long for. So Lord, help us to be prepared. Help us, God, to lean on you, to lean on your power and your might as we come under attack. Lord, help us to understand your word and who you are and God, I pray that through all things, God, that you can be glorified through good times and bad. Lord, that we see you at work. 
and Lord, that the same could be said about us as it was said about Job, is that in all these things, Lord, that we did not sin. So God, give us the strength we need each and every day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.